Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. next three weeks, we're going to talk about things that, if you were to say them, could potentially get you canceled with society today. So I'm going to be the one talking, so you can all just listen. So if there's anyone going to be canceled, right here. Uh, but uh, so know that in this, uh, in this conversation, um, our, our goal is to see through heaven's perspective, not our worldly perspective. And uh, I want to be able to share with you guys on several topics throughout the um, this canceled series. Uh, today we're going to be talking about race, race and racism. And uh, next week we're going to be talking about politics, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever else. <laughs> and the week after that we're actually going to be talking about feminism and um, genderism and LGBTQ movement. Um, so our goal is to approach it all from the context of scripture, not a man's opinion, not a woman's opinion, um, but how does God look at it? But here's one thing that I can guarantee you, is that if you come to all three weeks, you're bound to get offended. Just putting that out there. Um, But hey, as a church, our goal is to always not see it through our lens, but to see it through heaven. And where can there be unity without being able to overlook offenses? And I believe that as a church, God's goal for his people is to be one as he and the Father are one. So we're going to start off with our theme, our theme verse. I'm not entirely sold out that this is going to be a theme verse. I think I might mention it next week, how 2 Timothy chapter 4 talks about they want to, their itching ears to hear. They want to listen to whatever their itching ears want to hear. But if you have your Bible, lift it up in the air. Let me see it today. My Bible's right here on this pulpit. It's on your phone. That's fine. Hey, it's important to read your Bible. Bring your Bible to church. Can I tell you, God speaks to the Word of God. And if you want to hear God's voice, how about you read what he's already said? If the Bible's the word of God, I feel like many of us believers are living our lives malnourished because he's the bread of life and we only eat once a week. So get in it on a daily basis. I believe God speaks through his word and I believe that he is going to speak to you today. So open up to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter Timothy, Timothy chapter 2. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. It's quite a scary verse right there. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding God's people of these things. And this is who I feel like I'm here to remind you of today. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. And this, if you're highlighting or underlining today, underline this part, and who correctly handles the words of truth. And that's what our goal is over this canceled series, is to correctly handle the words of truth, but also to equip you, God's people, with the words of truth, that this isn't To my best, I'm not going to insert a man's opinion or my own agenda, but I'm going to be able to read from the Word of God and be able to say, hey, this is what God says about this particular topic. So if you have and you are taking notes today and you like a little title today, uh, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say my title today. Turn to your neighbor. Everyone got their neighbor right, left, whatever one is. Say these words after me. Say, neighbor, I'll be your friend. I'll be your friend. And uh, 
more serious topic, and this is actually what I would love for um, to be uploaded on the, the podcast, is how the church should handle racism. How the church should handle racism. Let's pray today. Father God, we thank you for your word. It is true. And uh, we pray that we'd be able to see you, God. We pray that you'd rest in this place. God, continue to transform your people. Let us not be submitted to any ideologies of this world or, or beliefs and systems that are all worldly and ungodly, God. But help us as your people to be identified as your sons and daughters under one name that every knee should bow. God, we pray and we welcome you here today. Search our hearts, God. We're open to you. And I pray that you would help me speak today with clarity, boldness, conviction, and courage. God, and we welcome you, Holy Spirit. And just right now, the church, God's going to speak to you today. And if he brings conviction, that's okay. It's a good feeling uh, for the Holy Spirit to be able to transform you. And so, God, I pray and I permit you to do so today. Not that you need permission, God, but we're saying we're willing. Open us up today and let us know, Lord. Search our hearts. And right now, church, I believe that God is going to speak to you today. So open up your hands and say these words after me. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus this morning. Come on. So I ask for your grace today that here I am. I'm going to be talking on the topic of racism within a church and not even just in church, but in society today. So know that I am speaking from a standpoint of a man who has seen it. I've been, I've had several Hispanic friends, several black friends, um, Asian friends. I've talked to several people throughout this course. I've submitted a few notes uh, to some of my black friends and just asking them, hey, can you help me kind of see if I'm approaching this from the right perspective? And uh, read several books, a lot of YouTube videos. Hello, anyone ever watched some YouTube videos? I don't always subscribe to that to get all your information. It's borderline becoming Wikipedia nowadays. Um, but there's also some great friends as well. Fillmore Bulger's out of C3 New York City. Uh, it has been a great resource as well as I watched a, a message by um, Robert Morris out of C3 in Texas. I believe it's out of Texas, who has a message called Lack of Understanding. I would encourage you to check that out as well. Um, but uh, also some great books that I would encourage you to read uh, on this topic. One, although I do not subscribe to his theology entirely, but uh, Fault Lines is a fantastic book by Vodi Bauckham. He's a theologian a modern theologian. It's called Fault Lines. Uh, he, me and him, see, we see God just a little bit different um, in terms of uh, Calvinist or Arminianism view. Um, but I think that would be a great resource for you to read as well. So I say this, all this to say that um, you're in for a treat, that I believe that God's going to speak to you today. And uh, uh, so here we go. Uh, even talking about this sermon series called Canceled, there will be some things that potentially could get me canceled uh, here this morning. Um, but I'll be right after service. At least my wife will be right outside, right after service. You can talk to her. <laughs> or you can email Kelsey at Kate. No. <laughs> no, but seriously, I'll be right outside. Would love to talk to you. Um, if you have any questions that arise or just email me or reach out to me. So, uh, but just emphasizing that today we live in an era where majority rules. See, people are afraid to stand for the truth, and this year we are going to stand. And as a church, the word being stand, we are going to stand for the truth. At the chance people are afraid to stand for the, church, the truth, at the chance that they might be labeled a bigot, a racist, a homophobic hater, and then they get blacklisted and lose any sense of normal life because they're now labeled by the crowd. 
This has then been elevated because of a sense of awareness through social media that at the click of a button, you can see who someone is, what they like, who they voted for, or who their friends are, etc. And we now live in an era of majority or popular opinions rule, and people are afraid to say what they know is true because of the possible consequences. Therefore, the lies get louder and louder, and the truth remains quiet. The church has fallen victim to this, and it is my hope that through the next few weeks, you would be able to leave here with a sense of confidence in what the Bible says about matters that are concerning society today. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write this down, that majority rules when truth is silent. Majority rules when truth is silent. See, this series canceled isn't about your favorite movie show growing up getting canceled. It's not about that. It's not about Goya Foods that got canceled, even though they're having record numbers now. Um, it's not about Netflix, which is per, right now getting canceled, basically. If you've seen their stock, it's fallen from $700 to now $200 a share in the course of about four and a half months. It could be technically about how family members are canceling each other left and right. You know, we cancel each other over politics, religious beliefs. And what I find is that canceling is happening everywhere. You see, you can no longer cancel people on YouTube, though. They cancel you for you. But if you've seen YouTube, they've changed as of this last year. You can't see how many dislikes a video has because they don't want the majority to be able to cancel. They want to choose what they can cancel. Basically, it's this level of postmodernism that is plaguing society. Postmodernism basically is all truth is relative, except that statement. That doesn't make any sense. So postmodernism, all truth is relative. And the problem with truth being relative is that truth then will follow popular opinion. And I found Jesus wasn't so inclined to follow popular opinion. There were times when the Pharisees and the Sadducees tried to trap Jesus to follow popular opinion. At that time, and when Jesus was around and walking the earth, taxes wasn't very a popular thing, unlike today where people love to pay taxes. It wasn't a very popular thing because they were over Roman rule. And so if they could get out of taxes, they thought that they could identify Jesus with the popular opinion and therefore separate him and actually uh, isolate him so that he could be arrested by the Roman people or the Roman uh, guards. And so they came up to him and they asked him, Jesus, is it right for you to pay taxes to Caesar? How should you handle that question? And Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 22, verse 18. He says, but Jesus, knowing their evil intent, can I tell you, not everyone has your best intentions in mind. You can't go through life expecting everyone to have your best intentions in mind. Most people have their own agenda. Most people have their own idea. Jesus said to them, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Why are you trying to trap me? And it is my fear that the church has become completely blind to the idea of it being trapped. It being trapped. I believe that society, or even non-believers in general, I believe at the core of it is a dark spiritual power known as the devil that is trying to disrupt the church, is trying to trap the church in certain movements, certain, uh, certain slang words, certain callings that are actually unbiblical to an extent. Now, Jesus, though, he said, why are you trying to trap me? Because he understood that taxes and not paying them at that time were popular opinions, but they were not kingdom principles. And that's what I want to be able to give you over these next three weeks. It's not popular opinion, but kingdom principles. 
And what I found is that there have been several traps that have been presented to the church over the last few years, and the church has not been adequately equipped on how to handle them. And when I'm talking about this topic of race and racism and how the church should respond to racial matters within our country and around the world, I want to lay the framework of how God views race and how we as a church are to view race through the lens of the Bible. Now, bear with me. This could come as, cross as abrasive, but I, trust, I, I ask you that if you just hear me out and let me continue to continue to finish this whole message, it'll all come to a conclusion at the end. There is a popular movement going around called Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter as of movement, I believe at the core of its intent, I believe is right, I believe it's justice, I believe that it is serving a purpose within this nation and around the world. But I wanna highlight within Black Lives Matter the organization. And as a church, what they subscribe to is actually very unbiblical ideologies. Black Lives Matter as an organization subscribes to uh, uh, transgenderism, LGBTQ community, uh, Marxism as well. There's several other things that you can be able to read and read about on their website. They're not afraid to hide it on what they stand for as an organization. As a church, I believe that it is not within our best interest in reflecting God to subscribe to an organization such as Black Lives Matter. Although within that movement, I believe that there are some biblical principles that are being hijacked from the enemy. So it paints it with this question, it tries to trap the church, and it says, do you support Black Lives Matter? And the church, trying in all best interests, trying to love people and help people, says, yes, we support Black Lives Matter, all the while not knowing what they are subscribing to. So I wanna implore you today to, if you haven't looked up the organization, to look it up. Now this is what I could get canceled for is that as churches, they've been very silent on this organization, but it's a very heretical organization. I would stay away from it. Instead, I would encourage you to look up this organization, every BLM, every BLM, they have, they, they say they stand for from the womb to the tomb, every black life matters. And this is an organization that I would say, if you're looking to be a part of some kind of social justice movement or any movement within the black community or even to support black brothers and sisters, this would be one that I would subscribe to. They constantly encourage prayers. Uh, they believe in, in the well-being of the family, the nuclear family. Uh, if you read through the Black Lives Matter organization, they don't subscribe to that model. But every BLM organization does. They believe at the core of it is a family structure that's vitally important to that. So if you have any questions regarding this, would love to talk to you after that. But as a church, I, this is what we could get canceled for. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with standing for what I believe is right and what I think is true. And I believe as a church, it is my responsibility as a shepherd over this house to be able to bring you the truth and let you decide. Now, consequently, though, this is what I want to share with you. These are, some, these are some scripts that I've been able to pull off, off online of what some organizations have said regarding this movement. This is the BLM organization. Sorry, I misspoke. The organization, not the movement. Consequently, while nearly all true evangelicals affirm that black lives matter as a subset of all human lives are sacred, that's just what they want to call it instead, uh, we must separate ourselves empathetically from the Black Lives Matter organization, which espouses beliefs that are anti-ethical anti to the basic foundational tenets of the Christian faith. The BLM organization espouses an anti-biblical definition of love, freedom, and justice, as well as opposing the nuclear family and promoting same-sex and transgender ideologies, and as a self-admitting Marxist organization. 
And what I want to encourage the church today in is that we don't always just follow a movement just because it's popular opinion. The Bible says that wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path of life. And especially if someone ever comes up to the church, that is a non-believing organization, comes up to the church and says, this is what you should believe and this is how you should believe it. I would say if the majority of society is all on board with this, I would say as a church, just maybe take a rain check real quick. Just to say, okay, Holy Spirit, how do you want the church to respond? How do you want the church to act? Because if we just go along with the crowd, we're just going along with popular opinion. And what we find is that the, 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 the way in following Jesus is a narrow path. And Psalm 1-1 actually really describes how we are supposed to, to go along this narrow path. He says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord, that's the Bible, that's the book, that's, that's the Bible that we can read each and every day and who meditates on his law day and night. And what I find is that we naturally subscribe to some of these movements, whether it be a, a social justice movement, whether it be next week we're going to be talking about Republican, Democrat. Hello, you're going to have some fun with that one. We're all going to have some fun with that one. And then the week after that, feminism and LGBTQ community, we easily subscribe to these because we want to be seen as loving. But can I tell you, Jesus is full of grace and truth, which means that there is a level of acceptance, but there's also a level of confrontation. And if you're okay with the acceptance side of Jesus and his grace, you've got to be okay with his confrontational side as well. Because if we're going to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus, know that there are things inherently in our hearts that are sinful. And we always need to have the heart of David, which says, search my heart, God. Let me know if there's any evil way in me. I'm not one just to jump to a conclusion and say that I have it all figured out. Please believe, just because I have a mic doesn't mean I'm perfect. And I don't think this side of heaven, we will ever be perfect. But as the body of Christ, we should always approach every conversation, everything saying, God, search my heart. Let me know if there's anything in me that is unholy to you. And also to reflect that and correlate that with his word. That's why it's so important that you get in the word of God. Can I tell you, we're not going to be going over this next three weeks, but there is something entering the Christian society, a level of wokeism, a level of deconstruction of faith, and a level of, man, I cannot remember that word. Um, Man, I wish I could remember that word. Basically taking scripture completely out of context to find what you want it to say and how it's, it's shaping society. And the problem with that is it sounds so convincing. If I didn't read the Bible from end to end and that was the only verse I heard, I would believe it. And maybe there'll be a time, I don't think it's quite prevalent within society as much as it is starting to hit bigger Christian circles um, of this this movement that's happening in deconstructing our faith. But I want to share just a few examples of, of... of how God looks at, at race. And I, wanna, I want you to bear with me as I go through uh, just real quick, uh, just, some, just how, some writings that I have on here too. So it's kind of like a teaching message today. I hope you came ready to learn. I hope you came ready to receive uh, what God has for you today. Uh, that I want you to know that racial division is not new. We've had this for thousands of years. And I've heard the argument that says the Bible's just missing vital information to our day and time. But what I see is Jesus that spoke to and about many different kinds of groups. See, the Bible is full of different groups coming together to push the kingdom of God forward. I've heard people say that you're a white Christian, you just can never understand. And I understand that. 
I understand that presentation, but bear with me. I'm just going to go a little bit further in, in why I feel like that can be uh, a very worldly perception because basically what that does is it limits the power of the Holy Spirit in someone's life, and it subscribes more to a transformation of, of worldly ideology rather than spiritual beliefs. And so that, that's, that's why I feel like even as, even as a white Christian up here on stage talking, I'm sure there's people that are way more qualified on, than me than to talk on this topic. But I believe that the Spirit of God can actually equip people and, and strengthen people during these times to be able to see eye to eye. So I've seen some people say that you just, you'll just never understand. And I've had conversations where some people have said that to me. You'll just never understand. I say, okay, well, help me understand. Help me to understand. But what I see a problem right now is that people are being told to shut up and listen, especially white people. And I want to say to silence voices altogether is completely ungodly. Now, I understand if someone is coming off just, just vocally um, abusive or um, divisive, then I understand that. Um, but give a person a chance to hear. So uh, when, when you're educating yourself on this matter, I want to ask you, what is educating you? Is it the latest Netflix special? Does someone say that in order for you to understand, you got to read books such as White Fragility? Listen to the person, and then you'll be able to understand. I look at it this way, is that education is important. It is absolutely important. Education beyond the Word of God um, that, that undermines the Word of God, not necessarily truthful or right. Um, education is important. That's why some of those resources that I presented to you, whether it be Theos U, um, Fault Lines by Vodi T. Bakum, those are all great resources for you to read. I'm sure there's a plethora of many more resources, but at the foundation of your belief, is it that book or is it the book? And that's what I want to be able to hit on today. That as a believer, do we let our bias dictate that we must first read these books before we can understand? See, as a believer, the basis for how we treat people is found in the Word of God. And I want to ask you today, is the Bible enough for you? I'm not saying it's the only source. I'm saying it should be enough to an extent. Are you okay with putting outside resources aside? And I question that if you say no, your personal conscience or your bias might be getting in the way. Let me ask you, how many books do, does someone need to read to be able to relate? See, the Word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you can trust ideas that are presented today that 10 years from now will not, may not be relevant, or you can trust the Word of God, which has lasted through the ages. Who do you listen to? The Word says to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, Romans 12, 1. And it says, blessed are the peacemakers, not pushing agendas to divide people, but to bring them to Christ. So what I find is that the heart of God has always been the same to address racism. So as a child of God, how should you respond to these situations you should seek to understand that your mind is different from a non-believer. See, just because you're a white person doesn't mean that you should act the way the world tells you. Just because you're a black person doesn't mean that you should act the way the world tells you. Just because you're Hispanic doesn't mean that you should act the way the world tells you. Just because you are Asian, you insert any ethnicity in there, does not mean that you should react the way the world tells you. Because I believe in a spirit that gives you a fruit of self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit, which means we are not trolled by our emotions in the heat of the moment, by some posts we see on social media or the news. Therefore, our reaction comes from the lens of the Bible, and His Word teaches us how to respond in these situations. And I want you to ask this question. These two questions are very important. What informs my thinking, and who informs my thinking? What informs my thinking, and who informs my thinking? When something happens, 
a death, etc. We look to the news, friends or family on how we should respond. If someone's upset, we think, well, we should be upset. If someone's happy, we think, well, we should be happy. And I say, when you're looking to respond, respond through the word of God. Not just because if someone's feeling this certain way that you just have an empathetic spirit that you just carry it, but, or even maybe a divisive spirit where this person is all upset or this person is all just happy about something that's happening, but really have it through your own lens and lens through the word of God. See, I understand why we turn to some of these sources because I believe that as a church, we've done a poor job at equipping the body of Christ on matters such as this. And we have to, we have to, we have got to let our heart be shaped by the word of God, what we believe about God and what we believe about our circumstances. Can I tell you that what you believe about God is very important? And I believe that what you believe about God can help shape how you approach race. I want you to write this down. This is a quote by A.W. Tozer. He says, what I believe about God is the most important thing about me. See, race is not necessarily a conversation about politics, although I believe there are, were, and still are political ties to unite and divide people by their color of skin. Race is not about a conversation about who you follow on Instagram or who you voted for. This is a conversation, I believe, that is mostly about God and what you believe about him. I believe we still have a problem today with racism, but it's because the church has the answers has largely remained silent. See, I believe that this church right here in Omaha, Nebraska, we are called to understand our role in uniting the nations with Jesus Christ at the center. But I want to help you understand what it means to have Jesus Christ at the center of this divisive issue of racism. And it doesn't need to be. Like, we can have a conversation with people. And you can sit down, and as a, a white person, you can sit down with a black person, a Hispanic person. As a Hispanic or a black person, you can sit down with anyone, really. I believe that this is the beauty of the church, is us coming together. Uh, to be able to have conversation and unification that it actually looks contrast to the world. What more beautiful thing is it than for the world to look at the church and saying, well, they're all getting along. Well, that's because we have Jesus at the center. And I want to help you understand today that Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. And what I've seen in the church is that the church has been destroyed because of lack of knowledge in this matter. See, instead of simply arguing about a protest, I encourage you to sit down with a brother or sister and ask, what do you see? What do you hear? How do you feel? I want to start this off by saying that first that Jesus ministered to everyone. He started his message with a group where there was a foundation of law. We know that because he started ministering first to the Jews, and it's important to understand that he ministered to the Jews first because they knew what sin was. If you have grace before the law, you actually don't even know what grace, what he saved you from. Does that make sense? So he, he ministered to the Seraphonician woman. This is a woman who was called a dog at that time. Jesus was actually modeling, basically mocking society at that time by referring to this woman as a dog. But she saw through the heart of it, knowing that that was not God's heart. That was not Jesus. That was what society was saying. And he still ministered to her. He ministered to Roman soldiers, their, their, their servants. He ministered to a Samaritan woman. That was considered an interracial engagement. We see Jesus constantly ministering to various types of people. And I feel that many times we do not realize as a church how colorly diverse the Bible really is. We don't even understand where our skin came from. Our skin color. You guys all know that song, red and yellow, black and white, we're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. We don't know where our skin color came from, though, for the most part. I'll tell you first that we all came from Adam and Eve. 
we didn't come from monkeys, in case you subscribe to that, and we did not come from monkeys, although some scientists say that 98% of our DNA is reflective. It's actually more like 70, except for some of us, it might be 98, you know, depending on how your spouse sees you that day or your, your friends see you that day. But that 30% is actually very distinctive, and plus, we as the people of God have a soul. So it started with Adam and Eve, but then it went to Noah. Noah and his three sons. He had three sons. We find that in Genesis chapter 10, verse 1. It says that this is the account of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, Noah's sons, who themselves had sons after the flood. See, I believe that Noah knew what he was doing when he named his sons. I don't think it was just by happenstance. I think it was prophetic. God actually sharing the origins of the different types of races through the account of his three sons. Shem, do you know what his name means? It means name. I mean, how coincidental is that? You know why I think his name is name? Because he looked like Noah. You know what I believe Noah looked like? I believe Noah was dark-skinned. I think he was Palestinian, Arabic, dark-skinned type person. You know why I believe that? Because I believe Adam and Eve were were dark-skinned, like Arabic, Palestinian. Because you can get black from dark skin, brown skin, and you can get white from brown skin. You can't necessarily get white from black skin or black from white skin. But I believe that in that time, Noah was Arabic, and he gave birth to a son that looked just like him. But he gave birth to two more sons, Ham. Do you know what Ham stands for? Hot and black. Those are, part of the, those are two of the descriptions for the word Ham, hot and black. Do you know what Japheth stands for? Fair or light-skinned. So here you have three different types of ethnicities all under one father. This same mother. It's a joke. <laughs> but I believe right then and there, that's where we saw different types of people groups beginning to form. And even within this, we can see how God craves uniqueness. And we see how God has designed the color of your skin for a purpose. Can I implore you today that if you hate the color of your skin, you're borderline cursing God who made you. And what I found is there's some white people that want to be darker, and there's some, there's some dark people that want to be whiter. And I would say, as the believers, we are called to embrace who we are, fearfully, uniquely, and wonderfully made. Not just ourselves, but each and every single person, because they're made in the image of God. They're fearfully and wonderfully made as a child of God. We're supposed to look at them through the lens of the Bible, not through our own prejudice, racial bias, whatever it may be, being able to see them as a child of God. And I want to be able to kind of bring a perspective to, biblical, to color black, white, Arabic within the Bible. But I first want to ask you this question. What color is this paper? What color am I? I could be pink if I'm sweating or red if I'm hot or anything. What color is this paper? What color am I? Can I tell you that most of us are various shades of brown? We are. We're not, we're not white per se, but we're all various shades of brown. You know how that song should go? Brown and brown and brown and brown. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Because we're all just various shades of it. And I hope that what that can do is kind of bring a different level of uniqueness. The only thing that is separating us is just pigmentation. Pigmentation. I have a son. He's olive skin. My three girls, they're as white as white can be. But I know he's my son. He actually gets it from his 
my mother-in-law who's Hispanic. Did you see how that works? But I want to help bring to light some of these things within the Bible and the color within the Bible. Did you know the man that carried Jesus' cross, Simon of Cyrene, many scholars believe that he was a black, black man that carried Jesus' cross. He's from Cyrene. Many people believe that throughout the day of Pentecost, and when I say many people, I'm not just saying I, I submitted some questions on Instagram. Like, I'm like looking like the theologians and people that study the Bible for a living. I'm not just saying, yeah, I Wikipedia'd it. I'm actually putting some good study into it. You know, they believe that Pentecost, many nations, black nations, white nations, Arabic nations were represented there. Did you know that the church at Antioch, two of the five people, the leaders were black? We know this because we read in, in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. It says, now at the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger. Now, Simeon called Niger, theologians believe that this is actually the same Simeon that carried Jesus' cross. But he was from Nigeria. Lucius of Cyrene, Cyrene is a country in Africa. Mananim, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, who we know as Paul, so when they selected Barnabas and Saul for the missionary journey and they left, now two of the three leaders at Antioch were black. So when you're reading through the word of God, don't always read it through your lens. I'm sorry to break it to you, but Jesus probably wasn't white. He was probably Arabic. And if that causes you to fall away, I'm sorry, but he, it, it doesn't matter what color he was. But he probably wasn't that white Jesus that we see in the Catholic churches or on all the monasteries of that big white Jesus with the big halo over his head. He probably wasn't that white. He wasn't European. He was Palestinian. He was Arabic. And if we grew up in a white church or a white city, we naturally look at the Bible through our upbringing. But God was very diverse. And how God looks at the church, he loves that we are all different. Can I tell you that there is no prejudice in God's heart, but is there prejudice in your heart? And I think we should always be open to the fact that there is things in our hearts that need to be dealt with. As long as we're on this side of heaven, I believe that God's work is not done in transforming us into his likeness. And we want to be able to see people with how Jesus sees people, not how we see people. And I want to share with you seven quick points real quick on, on uh, just what racism is, and I apologize, we're gonna go a little bit over today, but I believe this is important for you to take home, is that racism is pure evil. It's pure evil. It's not something to just mess around with. It's pure evil. Romans 12, 9 says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Number two, racism is pure self-righteousness. Luke 18, 11, a Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Racism violates the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word nations is ethnos. That's where we get the word ethnicities from. Number four, racism violates the Great Commandment. John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Number five, racism questions God's creation. As Acts 17, 26 says, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He made all the nations. So it questions God's creation. Man, 
Racism questions God's plan, Revelation 5.9. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open up its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God's persons every tribe and language and people and nation. And last one, seven, racism questions. I put there, defies God. Because to question God is to defy God. John 3.16 says, for God loved the whole world not this people group, not that people group, the whole world. And what we have in this church is we have various types of different people groups here today. And I want to give you an illustration that the, the church is, there, there's been stuff going on in this, this nation for hundreds of years. It's been going on in the world for hundreds of years. And what I believe about the Bible is that we were all divided at the Tower of Babel. And some scholars say that Ham went west and south towards Africa. Um, Shem, who was the Arabic, he kind of stayed in, in the Middle Eastern area. And Japheth, the lighter skin, went north, northwest, and northeast. And that's what they believe happened during the Tower of Babel. The world was divided. And if you took a moment to read through Pentecost, you see that there were all various different types of nations at Pentecost. And what happened at Pentecost is they were all filled with the Spirit, with speaking in tongues. One language, they could all hear and understand their own language, the truth of what God was saying. And what I found is that God is in the business right now of reuniting all of that divisiveness that has been over society, and He's doing it through His Spirit. And how He does that, though, is through us taking the time to say, God, search my heart. God, let me know. Because if there's racism in our hearts, Holy Spirit has to reveal that to us. And you've got to take time to just ask yourself, is there racism in my heart? And if you have a certain belief towards a certain type of people, or even if you're a white person, you know what really helped me was when all this stuff was going on back in, uh, in uh, Ferguson and, and even up to George Floyd up in Minneapolis, was I saw this message. This is the message by Robert Morris, and he used this illustration. I want to be able to use it with you today. But he grabbed this water bottle and he asked this question. He says, what do you see on this water bottle? And I'm asking you right now, what's on the water bottle? It says, Fiji. You know what I see? Earth's finest water, bottled at source. The, so the taste of solid rock, whatever that means. But I can't see Fiji on here. You can see Fiji, I can't. And I want to ask this church that sometimes what we're called to do in order to see it from a different perspective is to come to the other side of the bottle. And to just ask the question, rather than just judging people, will you just think that way because you were raised up this way or you just feel that because take some time. Like, guys, if we're really the body of Christ, can't we just sit down with one another and talk? But we're so quick to cancel one another because of a post. I saw you like this. I saw you wearing a mask. I saw you not wearing a mask. I saw you voted for this person. I saw you voted for that person. We immediately cancel one another and we destroy Christ's missions, which is to unite all people under one name. And I used to say, I used to go around and say, I don't see color. And as innocent as that thought was, I can see now where my error was because I was either blind or I was stupid. Because it wasn't until I read this in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, John's talking about what heaven looks like. 
He says, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. How did he identify them? Can I tell you the color of your skin God has given to you because he wants heaven to look diverse. He wants it to look, he doesn't want everyone to look the same. That's why we're all so unique. And I believe that the, as the church, our responsibility is to be able to own that. And we shouldn't look at people through a certain lens, but actually should look at them through the word of God. And I'll have you stand to your feet this morning. Thank you for your patience, and we're going a little bit over. But I want to share with you just one real quick story, actually a couple stories in this regards to I'll Be Your Friend. And it goes back to when I was working construction. For those of you that don't, may not know, um, I worked glazing. I put in windows in construction with my dad. And um, we were working one job off 72nd, just south of Dodge. It was a Dunkin' Donuts at the time. And uh, I was putting in these windows, and this, this, this white guy was walking on the street. And he started yelling out all these absurdities and, and vulgar language to some Hispanics that were working on the siding. And um, I felt the Holy Spirit say, he's like, so what are you going to do? Are you going to do anything about that? And I don't know if it was reactionary or if it was just Holy Spirit, but I'm around these guys. And if you work construction, you work with some contractors and they see you at various different jobs. So I, I kind of knew who the guys were. I didn't know their names. And I, I took a moment just right then and there. And I just yelled back at this dude. And from being around these guys, I could see how hard they were working. And they were working their tails off. And he was yelling, go back to Mexico, get a job. And he, he just started yelling all this stuff. And I remember yelling back at him. I said, why don't you come over here and do what they're doing? Then we'll talk. And then he just kept walking off. Well, I didn't realize. I just went back to what I was doing. Well, just a few moments later, one of the guys came up to me. He says, hey, he points to his friend over there. I don't know if he could speak good English or not, but this other guy that was talking to me could. He says, he says, you're his friend. Because there's something powerful as a church. We are called to stand up for people that don't feel like they have a voice. Now, whether he knew what that guy was saying to him or not, he could feel the spirit. And I believe that it was my role at that time to stand up for someone that could not stand up for themselves. And so I wish I could have sat down and talked with the guy and say, hey, really, what are you going through? You haven't pressed on your luck. You can't get a job or anything like that. I wish I could really talk to him. But I don't think he was really open to having a conversation because he just kept walking off. But I, I remembered at that moment, our role as believers is that when we see something that is wrong, we don't just let it go by. When someone's talking to you, someone, they're being demeaning or they're being racially divisive or just hateful, do a moment to say, why are you talking like that? Don't you see how hateful and hurtful that is? That is so wrong. That is not the heart of God. I believe that that is our role, not to just be like, well, that's them, they do them, but to actually stand up and say something. And I wanna take a moment to brag on my dad real quick, is that we were at a wedding on Friday. My brother got married. So many people getting married in this church. And another one next weekend, another one a few weeks after that. And uh, I ran into a guy by the name of Evie. 
And uh, Evie shared with me a conversation. My dad shared with me like a year ago, but it kind of brought everything into light because I was preparing for this message. And I felt like God told me like, hey, you, you need to share that. And uh, if you know Evie, Evie's early, mid-70s, you know, he's, he's gone through a lot in life. He's a minister up in, uh, at a church up in North Omaha, but he, he needed some work. And so my dad offered him a job. So he'd come in various days of the week and he'd work. My dad got to know him a little bit more because how quick can we be just to judge someone uh, without getting to know them? Well, he just got to know him. Like he went over to his house, was bringing stuff over to his house. Evie was coming over, they were talking and hanging out. And Evie was sharing his heart with my dad. And he was just like, hey, I, a lot of my friends are dead or they've moved away. He said, I don't have any friends here in Omaha. And my dad said, and I believe it was the Spirit of God that said to him, through him, just these simple words, I'll be your friend. Because I believe that at the core of who we are as Christians is to be able to see every single person, regardless of who they are, skin color, who they voted for, but to be that light and love of Jesus, that if he gives you an open door, you're the first person to walk through it. And I want to pray over you today that we would be that church, that we would be that church. And so, Father God, we pray for the people of My City Church. God, we pray that you would cover them, that you would watch over them. God, I pray for any kind of thing that is in our hearts. We pray and we are open. We say, Holy Spirit, search our hearts. Let us know if there is any way in us that is unholy and pleasing to you. Search our hearts, God. Make us pure before you today. God, I pray that there would be unity in this house that we could be a sign, a light, God, to a city and a nation and a world that can be so divided over this matter. God, but we can shine the light and the love of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would drop our walls. God, any people that have carried any hurts or offenses, God, I pray that you'd be able to bring those to light so that forgiveness can take place. God, forgiveness, not necessarily restoration, but forgiveness, God, reconciliation can take place in a person's heart, God, that they can be set free. Father, I pray for every single man, woman, and child in this place today. God, I pray that we would share the light and the love to live like Jesus and love like Jesus in this house, God. And as we continue to do so, God, I pray that you'd bring people from all different tongues, languages into this house, that we'd be people that would reflect heaven in this house today, God. We pray you go before us this week. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.